Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, yeah. Karlsson, yes Welcome everybody to part two of episode 460 of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. It's the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the whole freaking world that does two parts where the first part is all about goalies and the second part is all about hot streaks and cold streaks. I'm guessing. I don't know. I haven't checked every single podcast, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be a unique week for us, Brian, and we've got so much to get to. Uh, so how about let's just dive right into part two, and I want to start part two of this episode just like we started part one of last week's episode and say that Eric Carlson is still hot. He's still doing the thing, and I love to see it. Ryan D. in our Discord asked us, what can you really get by selling high on Eric Carlson right now? And my answer to him is, how dare you, Ryan, want to sell high? That's insinuating that Eric Carlson is not the best defenseman in the league. Uh, let me tell you, but for real, though, I, I like, yeah, I can understand why you're concerned. My main concern, I guess, would be, like, injuries, right? He's obviously a big injury risk, but the guy like has what is it now 13 points in his last five games in this last game versus anaheim on saturday only one assist wah, but seven shots he's taking so many shots he's doing everything i want to see like he's looking like the best defenseman in fantasy right now so if you're selling high on eric carlson get, like brian we both have do you want uh, to, chris yeah we both do, have you want chris to, do you want to share the trade that you were you offered well, basically, I was going to offer Latang for Eric Carlson and then also try to get even like a sweetener back with like a, a forward swap where I win the forward swap. And Brian told me no. He said like, you know, Chris Latang's on a cold streak. He doesn't think he's going to stay as cold. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of regretting I'm kind of regretting it. Like, I don't know. I really like what Eric was, Carlson. What was he's the forward awesome. swap? Well, whatever. It doesn't matter because I didn't end up doing it. I, I, I think I was sending someone and getting back Troy Terry and the forward swap was someone. It was, okay. it was a forward right. swap. I win. But honestly, even like Latang for Eric Carlson straight up. I don't know. I got, I'm really into Eric Carlson right now, but I guess Brian would say to answer Ryan's question that you should try to get Chris Letang for Eric Carlson. I don't know though. But, but, yeah. Well, well my, my line, to, my line to you was that uh, it's unlikely that Eric Carlson's value will get any higher or that Chris Letang's value is going to go any lower. So if you think you need to act today to get Carlson, you're like, well, what if, what if the person who has Carlson starts believing in him and doesn't think it's just a heater and holds on to him and I can't get him. And I like, I think that's a legit point. So maybe the the window is shutting on your buy. Probably now since that, since I pulled uh, back that trade offer, Carlson has another, like, I don't know. What is it? Seven points in three games. He continues to tear it up. And, um, yeah, like he, he's been incredible. I, I I don't know what to say, Elon, and I want to. I like I want to. I don't know if I want to try and like comfort you and be like you did the right thing. Um, I'm just looking at his. You know, of course he scored ten times on forty five shots, but the good news is that he's taken forty five shots in fourteen games. This is a a shooting uh, habit that we haven't seen. Five or more shots in his last five games. He's had seven shots in two of his last five games. So he's firing away in ways that he hasn't before. He's seeing more ice time than he ever has as a San Jose Shark as well. He's seeing more power play time than he ever has as a Shark too. There's a lot he's got going for him. Even if we regress his shooting percentage, he's still not far off a point per game pace. Like he's a, easily above a 70 point pace. So, and like I, I'm trying to 
I keep trying to wrap this up. Just wrap but it up. Say he's amazing. He's, ama- don't he's sell, amazing. Don't sell I, high. I don't see any like big problems with his numbers being unsustainable. Like let's wait and see. Health, of course, is the biggest reason why you might want to try and get out from Carlson before he hurts himself. That would be the thing that I would be worried about if I were acquiring him or holding on to him. But yeah, I think we're seeing legit 70 point pace, maybe higher Eric Carlson. It's really exciting. And Elon, at least you have him in one league. Yeah. Uh, here, here's my recommendation. Sell high and get Roman Yosi. That, that's what I'll do. If, if you could do that, I'm in. Kale McCarr. If you could get one of them, I'll sign off on that. Okay. Uh, also on San Jose, Timo Meyer. Worth the wait. Holy cow. Uh, I remember we had that whole debate about uh, Meyer versus Patrick Kane. And I was saying that you should go with Meyer. And then after that, Patrick Kane went off and I felt like a little bad. But now I'm still happy with uh, saying Meyer. Uh, he's been so fantastic lately. Uh, obviously, when you're playing with the red hot Eric Carlson, you're going to do really well. And Meyer's obviously no slouch himself. Uh, I'll bring up uh, Alex Barabanov. If you're in a deeper league, he's been on the second line but the top power play and he has five assists in his last five games playing at even strength with Couture and Nieto the guy playing with Meyer and Hurdle has been Kevin LeBanc and he's doing nothing so if there's a shark that you want to get right now beyond the obvious three of like Meyer, Hurdle and Couture in terms of the forwards I think it's Barabanov so take a look if you want some power play points you might be able to get them out of Barabanov in free agency Uh, next up let's go to another hot streak here Garrett wanted us to bring up and of course we were going to anyways Jamie, Ben Oh my goodness. Like Eric Carlson here, like a guy who like maybe some people have started to give up on. All of a sudden he has three straight multi-point games, including a hat trick versus Edmonton in the last outing. It's now eight points in three games for Jamie Ben in his last three. Five of those eight points came on the power play. And hey, like, is it surprising? He's on this like amazing power play with Pavelski, Hints. Robertson and Haskinen and Ben is like just cashing in there. He's not even playing with like such exciting guys at even strength, but yeah, he's only 29% rostered on Yahoo. I just kind of feel like even regardless of the fact that he's Jamie Ben, who used to be really good and who know, like maybe we can like speculate, Oh, did he like have a really good off season of training? I don't know. Or maybe it's just like random chance that he's doing well, but at the end of the day, like anyone on that top power play, I'd probably want. So like we could spend a lot of time right now, just like gushing over Robertson, Hinson, and Pavelski, right? Where I just like feel like it's probably not worth people's time for us to talk about how great they are, but just trust me, like, I'm like Jason Robertson's contract dispute gave everyone who drafted him like such a huge win. Like he fell in drafts because he wasn't signed. And there was like, Brian, remember you brought us a concern about what if it takes him some time to like, whatever. Anyways, anyone who was able to get him like the third, fourth round of your league, is like laughing right now. I think he might be a hundred point guy to be honest. But anyways, Jamie Ben is someone who might still be available in your free agency. While he's on the top power play, I say ride the wave. Yeah, ride the wave with Jamie Ben. A nice off day schedule next week. For the first time in his career, he's really playing this bottom six role, which I think suits. I mean, whatever. It's going to come down to not putting up a ton of points, um, period. But if you can have him, I mean, if we were talking about Stefan Nason on the Canes as being like their power play one specialist, then we can talk about Jamie Ben being a power play specialist over in Dallas. His ice time is way down. So don't get, like, you're not going to get consistent even strength production he's playing 13 14 minutes a night and that's a huge cut from last year for jamie ben maybe it leaves him fresher for the power play like i don't know the last time he's put up 16 shots or let alone eight points in his last three games that he's played and in any string of three games so good for him four goals on his last nine shots i think it makes him an exciting guy like i think there's probably still some talent there it's probably the first dose of confidence jamie ben has had in a while i'm open to seeing 
where it takes him in his age 33 season. I'm not optimistic it's really going to last, but for next week when there aren't a whole lot of great streaming options, he makes sense as someone you grab, you see if he keeps going, and if he doesn't, you let him go. Yeah, okay, so Dallas... Good, good place to be if you're on the top power play or on that, on that top line for sure. Okay, let's next go to Florida where uh, Alex Barkov, Matthew Kachuk, and Verhage have really started to go off. Obviously, that's going to take a little bit of a rest now because Matthew Kachuk has been suspended for a couple of games, but he'll be back soon. Barkov, six points in his last five after that slow start. Shams wanted us to discuss. He asked, curious, is this a time to sell high on Barkov or do you think he's back to his normal self? I, yeah, my opinion is like, yeah, I'm not cons- like I'm really excited about him playing with Matthew Kachuk, and I think that I would not sell high. Like I don't even know who you would sell for if he was somebody who was drafted in the first round. Uh, but Brian, what do you think? Are, are you are there any reasons to be concerned about Barkov's slow start, or do you think now that no. he's cooking, like it's good? Yeah, we talked about the Florida top line last week or the week before, and how they were sort of off our radar concerning us, and. But we also decided at that moment that it was just going to be a matter of time. And when Kachuk was promoted to the top line, I floated the theory that maybe this is just to get Barkov and Verhage going, and then they'll move Kachuk back off the top line. To the... Now Kachuk is suspended, of course, for a couple games. So we'll see if Barkov and Verhage keep rolling without him. I, I can't imagine that Kachuk is the key to unlock Barkov. I think Barkov is his own key. Uh, but it's nice to see some pucks start going in, and maybe this is momentum that he can build upon. I'm looking at his numbers, Elon, and there's there's nothing that concerns me in them. As, as I said over the last couple of weeks, everything is still looking pretty decent for Barkov. It's just uh, an issue of bad variance. So that's why I am excited for him. I wouldn't try and sell high or like you could try and buy low if you want i think if you can still find someone who's like oh this is my last chance to get rid of alex barkov go find that person because he still hasn't even scored a goal at five on five right like he's he's he generally scores on 10 percent of his shots he's taken 21 shots at five on five and hasn't scored on any of them even though he's got just over two expected goals and his shot his shot attempt rates haven't slowed from last year either i know like the line itself like while he's on the ice, hasn't slowed down either. Like they're putting up the same expected goals rates as a line than they were last year. So it's just it's just a matter of time, really, before Barkov keeps doing what he's always been doing. Yeah. By the way, so I'm look, so Florida's playing today. It's 9 p.m. right now on Sunday. Florida's about to start a game versus the Ducks, and uh, some interesting lines for today going into the game with Kachuk suspended. Uh, they're rolling with Colin White, former Ottawa Senators legend, playing with Barkov and Verhage on the top line, and then Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt. They've split up the Sams. Bennett is on, is on a line with Lusterinen and Cousins, and then Reinhardt is on a line with Lundell. So Lundell centering Reinhardt and Lomberg. Then Balsers, who was playing with uh, Kachuk at one point, he's now on the fourth line. Uh, with uh, by the way, did you know Eric Stahl's back in the league? He's, he's playing today. That's fun. Uh, anyway, uh, interesting lines. Uh, I guess uh, we Brian and I both gave a prediction in our like video uh, on the YouTube uh, before we started recording the audio episode, where uh, we both gave a prediction of who you should stream from this late game. I went with I forget now. Oh, Comtois over on Anaheim was also getting good deployment at the moment. Uh, and Brian went with Lusterinen. But maybe, Brian, would you switch now to Colin White now that you see that he's going to be playing with Barkov and Verhage today? No, I wouldn't switch to Colin White. Um, well, okay. I like. I guess if I like Carter Verhage because of uh, because he plays with Barkov, but I, I don't think I don't think Colin White is um, is that good. Well, sure. I, well, yeah. For one game. 
Yeah, yeah I, I, honestly, I yeah, I'll I'll, I'll stick with Lusta, Lusta Reinen, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think this is yeah. We'll see how it goes. I I like that Reinhardt and Lundell are still together. I know Reinhardt is still uh, having a hard time kicking things into drive this season, but like Barkov, I, I don't see too many reasons or really any real reason to disbelieve that Reinhardt can pull off most of what he pulled off last year. Uh, he wasn't playing with great line mates before. He's like with Balsers and Bennett the last time we talked about him. Now, just that he's with Anton Lundell gives me a ray of hope that if Reinhardt isn't on the top line, there's still somewhere else in the lineup he can produce. And I think that would be like, I think Anton Lundell is the best available line mate to Sam Reinhardt, uh, aside from the guys who are already on the top line. So I'm hoping it's just a matter of time. I dropped Arturi Lekkonen in one league that's basically points only to add Sam Reinhardt today uh, off waivers. Like someone had just dropped him. I, I used my waiver priority to do it. You, you think I did it right? Yeah, I guess. He's still on the top power play. We actually had a question from uh, Hook and Scramble in our Discord asking us to talk about Reinhardt and Sam Bennett, who both have just... Oh, so going into today, because we haven't seen today's game yet, uh, Reinhardt three points in 12 games, now Bennett five points in 12 games. Now they're split. I guess, yeah, like Reinhardt's on the top power play. I guess so is Lekkonen, but Reinhardt obviously has the bigger track record going into the season. But I'd, I'd be yeah. pretty concerned. Le- like Lekkonen you're saying like, oh, good for him. Le- like <laughs> yeah. Lekkonen's on the top line. Well, it seems to be it seems to be in flux, but it played with McKinnon and Rantanen uh, most recently. But Reinhardt, I'm looking at like his, his points participation is 25%. That's a third of where he normally is. His on-ice shooting percentage is just above 4%, when I think it would be safe to expect at least 8% from him. Um, and all the numbers under the hood, like shot generation, expected goals, they all still seem to be there. He also, by the way, has yet to pick up himself a five-on-five goal. Um, Reinhardt is someone who shoots generally above 10%, and he has uh, 16 shots and no goals and actually just one assist. And that is because of that incredibly low um, 4.4% on ice shooting from his teammates while he's on the ice and him. So again, I would much rather see him on line one. I can't just wish this all away because Reinhardt is not up there playing with Barkov and Verhege, and that is concerning to me to some degree, but I'm hoping he gets something going with Lundell or gets bumped back up to the top line. And even if he, he doesn't, he's still got that top power play spot. Yeah, so I guess, like, I, I want to be optimistic with you. I guess you're saying he's not a snoozer yet. What about Sam Bennett now? Doesn't even get to play with Reinhardt. Forget Sam Bennett. Rein- yeah. What's that? I, for, forget, I, him? forget him. I, I think Sam Bennett is a snoozer. snoozer. Yeah. He's not on the top power play. Uh, like if Kachuk is going to play with Barkov, then that means that Bennett gets to play at best with Sam Reinhardt. And if he's on the top power play, yeah, he, he's taking some shots. Maybe he's a good streamer now and then, but I don't know if he's someone you need to keep on your roster for the rest of the season. I will say there is some bad variance in there too. Like he's also not shooting well. The, the Florida, the Panthers are just not shooting well, even though they don't seem to deserve like, it's not like there's an easy explanation, right? It's like, oh, well, they had a coaching change. The new coach is putting in something more defensive or it's not effective. No, the Panthers just aren't scoring on basically the same uh, quantity and same quality of shots they've been taking in the past. So I don't think Sam Bennett is this bad either. In fact, his own expected goals rates, like his own shots look more look as threatening as they did in that first year that he came to Florida and started tearing it up in those, what, like 10 games after he was traded from Calgary. And his shot rates are still really healthy. So there's, look, there's still, maybe I waved off Sam Bennett too quickly. There's still a lot to like, but if I had to pick one Sam to stay invested in, it would be Reinhardt, just because 
Bennett seems less likely to have deployment that you can really count on. And we've seen Bennett go so cold, especially on the road, for basically the entirety of his Florida career. And I just, I, I, I don't see any sign that that part has stopped yet, which is really frustrating. Yeah, well, Bennett was great when he was playing with Jonathan Huberdeau. Huberdeau's gone, and now he's on Calgary. And let's switch now to talk about Huberdeau in Calgary, because Professional Slacker asked us, is Huberdeau a dud this year? And, uh, you know, hey, we talked about Goudreau earlier, and I was thinking, oh, I'm a little bit concerned. Brian was like, nah, he's fine. Don't worry about it. So I'm curious to see if you'll have the same feeling about Jonathan Huberdeau, who is pointless in four games now, uh, only five points in 10 games overall. Even more concerning to me, maybe, is the fact that he only played 16 minutes and 48 seconds total in the 4-3 loss to New Jersey on Saturday. He only had one shot in that game. Like, that's not superstar deployment, right? Like, you'd expect, like, 20 minutes from the guy. Do, is is it a situation now where I'm just going to be a total, like, extreme person here, right? Like, do you sell now for whatever you can because it's a total disaster and his name value is not going to last for much longer? It kind of reminds me of when Taylor Hall went to Buffalo this is like soon after he had like that heart trophy season, right, Brian? And then like, I remember I drafted him in the cupful and he was like, had a really bad start to the year. And then it's, I was, you know, getting trade offers from people trying to buy low. Uh, and I remember thinking, now nah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And then by the time I finally decided to cut bait, I couldn't get like, I think I got like, I think I did trade him, but like for like, you know, nothing. So I'm just curious to know, is this a similar situation where you want to still, like now's the time people have to rush to trade Huberdo while they still can? Or do you think, don't worry about it. It's going to turn around. Everything in Calgary is going to be fine. And he'll go back to being at least like a point per game, if not better. I think you have to be worried about it at least a little bit. I mean, his five on five ice time hasn't taken a hit, but overall he's playing, uh, you know, minute and a half, two minutes less per night than he was in Florida. And that's because Calgary splits their power plays a little differently. They have like a 60, 40 split instead of a 75, 25 split between their top two units. So that's bad news for Jonathan Huberto's scoring. Although on the power play, He's doing just fine. Four power play points in 10 games. You keep that up. You've got over 30 power play points. That's great. Where Huberto was really struggling is at five on five. And I'll also say, like the others we've just talked about, I see reasons to think that he doesn't deserve to have it as rough as he's got it so far. Um, Like Sam Reinhardt, like Sam Bennett, Jonathan Huberto, guess how many five on five goals he has, Elon? None. None. No five on five goals on... The thing is that with him, on only 12 shots, that's not great. Um, His shot rates for most, uh, shot and shot attempt rates are down compared to most of his recent, pretty much virtually all. I'm going to go with virtually all of his recent seasons. Uh, His shot quality doesn't look to be as strong. But look, uh, he hasn't had a shot go in. He's taken 12. Generally, we could have expected at least one to go in. His teammates are shooting 4.5% with him on the ice. That's not great. His points participation, he's getting in on only one of every three goals scored while he's on the ice. And guess what? There's only been three goals scored while Huberto is on the ice at 5-on-5. So there's all... Again, this is, I think, a Calgary is figuring it out kind of story where Huberto is not as bad as he looks. But I also don't know that he's going to be as good as he was in Florida. And the comparison I was making to you pre-show was actually that Huberto is kind of reminding me of Johnny Gaudreau in those seasons where he wasn't a 100-point player. It's like, ah, he seems to have it more or less together, and he can pace for 70 points, and he does great on the power play, but the, the points don't just come as fast and furiously as they do when things are not 
clicking on all cylinders just so absolutely perfectly. And uh, we saw what happened to Gaudreau in those situations in Calgary. And it might be too simplistic an analogy, but right now I think it's a pretty fitting one for Jonathan Huberdeau, who we had someone ask on our Discord server, like, who can I who can I sell Huberdeau for? I want to fleece the other team. And it's like, man, like you, if you, you're not, you don't have that opportunity. You can't sell a superstar low who might've had only you know, 14 guys picked ahead of him in your draft and fleece. Your job is to avoid being the one who gets fleeced. And that's the situation you're in right now with Hubert. If you're going to be patient and hope that he's a point per game player the rest of the way, or if you're going to try and sell him at a bit of a loss and hope that you can at least be comfortable, you know, like you can save yourself the stress of wondering what's going to happen if you can get a guy who's just clicking, like say a Jesper Bratt. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I think that's the move. If you want to give up on Huberdo, you make an offer for someone who's doing like amazing, but that manager might think they're selling high, you know? So you bring up Jesper Brad with 17 points in 12 games. I don't know. I, I'd be tempted. I, I, tell, me, tell me I'm wrong. Like, I don't know, like Rope Hins I brought up. Uh, you know, we could talk about, I don't know, Jason Robertson. You probably won't be able to get him, but if you could, I would definitely just take Jason Robertson if you can. I'm super high on him. You know, maybe you don't want to do it for like Tage Thompson, but like, you know, I feel like if you didn't believe even Huberdo being as amazing, I think that you, yeah, you target someone just doing really well, but who was drafted a lot later, and that manager might just think they're getting value. The question is just like how it will turn out in the end. But yeah, like I said, I'm a little bit concerned, but Brian is giving some reasons to think that Huberdo can bounce back a little bit. Uh, by the way, speaking of Calgary, Andrew Mangiapane, to me, I think he's an easy drop. I wonder if you'll agree with me here. I think he's pointless and for himself, four points in 10 games overall. He's playing with Kadri and Dubé, second power play. It's fine deployment, I guess. I feel like he's the same as Dubé, though. If Dubé's in free agency, then Mangiapane, I don't see why he needs to be rostered. No, I don't think so either. If uh, if Tyler Toffoli is barely rosterable and Jonathan Huberto is barely ro- I mean, you're going to roster him, but I, I don't think if, Ma- if Mangiapane is not going off, I don't think you need to hold on. It would be nice to see uh, some healthy signs elsewhere in the Flames ecosystem before thinking that Mangiapane is going to be worth a long-term hold. Yeah, snoozer alert. Get rid of Manjapani if you still have him. Okay, maybe you drop him for a guy who's playing on the top line in Montreal, and that is Kirby Doc. Oh, and also the top power play. So this is a guy in a really great situation, and he's producing. Kirby Doc has been so good lately. He has seven points in his last four games. He's coming off a three-assist game uh, versus Vegas, where Montreal almost uh, you know, was able to beat them. They ended up losing six to four, but a, a good showing against a really strong team. Uh, looks We talked about Kirby Doc, I think, on the last episode as like a new addition to that top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. Looks like uh, this is working, and I think this might stay. So you might be running out of time to grab Kirby Doc in your leagues. I would definitely take him over Manchapani at this point. And yeah, I just think his uh, percent roster chip is still not super high. Uh, but I think that could change soon. Like Montreal is not the most amazing team, but that top line is is pretty darn good. Like Suzuki and Caulfield just keep producing every single game. And I would definitely want to get in on that. And hey, Kirby Doc, both center and right wing eligible now on, on Yahoo. So uh, anyway, I, what, what more is there to say? I'm into him. Go get him. Yeah, I think, I, Elon, like I might even go so far as to say, pause the pod and go get Kirby Doc. He's playing on this line and maybe this line with Suzuki and Caulfield is clicking a little higher of a rate than we should expect them to going forward. But still, I mean, Doc seems like a really good fit on this line. Ever since moving to this top line and top power play, he's put up a point every single game. He's put up a power play point three out of four games. In the last game against Vegas, uh, Montreal had one power play opportunity they scored 
in 13 seconds. And Doc was in on that uh, with an assist on that power play point. I think Kirby Doc, especially with that center wing eligibility, the, the extra wing added on. I think that means that you've got to go get him. I, I, like you said, Elon, I think his roster chip is low. And in Yahoo, I don't know if uh, if you have the percentage up. I, I picked him up, honestly, after our show last week. <laughs> like, we we talked me into it to add Kirby Doc, and I'm really glad I did. Like, I'm not letting go 12% rostered on Yahoo. And uh, even though, like, he's not going to get a lot of shots, that's okay. I think you just have to hope he stays with Caulfield and Suzuki in all situations. And also, uh, like, I've just been following some Montreal beat writers they seem to be in love with the guy. They're like, this guy is clearly looking like, how did Chicago give up on a third overall pick so soon and get very, like, it's unlikely what they got back will ever match up with him. Seems to work well with Caulfield and Suzuki. He knows how to make space, play with and without the puck. I'm just seeing, I'm seeing good news about Kirby Duck across the board. And I think you should have him on your roster for as long as that continues. We'll see if there's a lull, but so far there hasn't been. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I guess I won't, like, be so quick to, like, beat up on Chicago. Like, they got a first-round pick in the draft. I think it was... Uh, like, 13th overall. Like, uh, Frank Nazar, who a lot of people are really into. So, we'll see. You know, it might be a few years before we can judge, like, Nazar versus Kirby Doc. So, like, Chicago's obviously in a different... Well, actually, no, both them and Montreal. I was about to say they're in a different spot. But uh, I guess they're both in a similar situation in their curve. But anyway, uh, yeah, Kirby Doc is good, and you should add him. Uh, by the way, if your league counts blocks... There's a new guy in the Montreal lineup for this season. He missed all the games until just last week, and that's Joel Edmondson. And he knows how to get in front of a puck. Man, he's played two games now after missing the start of the year with a lower body injury, and he's blocked four and then eight shots in these last couple games. He had eight blocks and an assist and five shots versus Vegas. I don't know if the offense is going to stick. I'm actually pretty certain it won't. But if you're in a league where blocks are valuable... Go get uh, Joel Edmondson because uh, he's he's stepping in front of them right now. Uh, okay, let's go next to another defenseman who is hot, but not only for blocks, but for points. Someone who took a little while to get started this year, but has really turned it on lately. And that's Owen Power over on the Buffalo Sabres. He's got five points in his last four games now after picking up two assists versus Tampa. That brings him only to seven points in 12 games overall. But, you know, this is a guy who was picked first overall, and maybe it took him a little bit of time to get accolade, or maybe he was just having bad luck at some point. But if he was dropped in your league, Brian, what do you think right now about Owen Power? Do you believe in what you're seeing from him lately? Also, uh, Rasmus Dahlin was injured in the last game. I don't think it's a long-term thing, but that helped Owen Power get onto the top power play, where he picked up a power play assist. Uh, but even if he's not on the top power play, I like seeing the production out of him. I'm curious to know, Brian, how much of you think of it is for real for this season? Obviously, long term, uh, he's going to be really great. But what do you think about him as an ad in a one year league? Well, you know how I like to say uh, a rising tide lifts all boats to describe production, but a rising tage lifts all boats in this scenario. Owen Power, uh, like, yeah, definitely a beneficiary of the uh, multitude of goals coming out of Buffalo lately. They have now scored uh, 24 goals over the last five games, and Power hasn't been in on all of them, but that's plenty to get in on, right? Especially for the ones that he's on the ice for. And I honestly, I think that's why he has five points in his last four. 
there's been a lot of goal scoring happening. Definitely being on the top power play for as long as Darlene out makes him rosterable for that period of time. But I also don't think he's like I, I'm I'm holding fast to the idea that Owen Power with a healthy Darlene quarterbacking the top unit is not rosterable. But it was kind of exciting to see Power play 28 minutes, just above 28 minutes in his last game against Tampa, thanks to getting uh, over four minutes of power play time because of Darlene's injury. So it's uh, it's great to see o- Owen Power getting some fantasy relevance. I like we, we had already called him a snoozer after having two points in his first eight games of the season. It's great that he's turned it on over the last four games, but I don't think this should trick anyone into being caught snoozing again when Owen Power, I think, I, I think it's likely. I, inevitably sounds really harsh. I'll use it anyway, though. Inevitably falls oh. back to being a, a free agent quality player this year. Elon, you know my you know my take. He's behind okay. Darlene. I don't think there's a whole lot of a uh, lot of success to be found. I mean, yeah, maybe. I, I feel like like he's really... not a guy that like fills a whole lot of peripheral car- uh, categories. Yeah, he might just be like really great like i i guess it's like i feel like when it's a rookie who's new to the league with such a high pedigree i'm willing to give him some slack for a slow start and i'm not ready to say that like now that he's on this hot streak it's probably not gonna last like i think i I, i'll agree with you that it probably won't last but i think there's a chance like i would definitely be holding him for a couple games now to see if he can kind of just keep things rolling and not just assume that as soon as dalian comes back he's like for sure gonna cool off but it's so hard to say with you know like it's like a new guy I, I, i definitely get everything you're saying about his deployment it's not something that should be really great unless he's just awesome and he might be but we'll have to see like he will be eventually probably uh by the way buffalo man i guess like it's been covered like ben and lewis did a great job on short shifts this week on tuesday and then ben and i talked more about buffalo on thursday like they had such a great schedule this week they're scoring so many goals so i think we've we've talked to death at this point thompson amazing skinner uh kyle akposo has gotten a run on the top line uh dave talked about skinner and akposo also on the stream scheme that dropped earlier today on sunday so definitely check out the stream scheme if you haven't yet uh buffalo doesn't have as good of a schedule next week uh but these guys might be worth holding even dylan cousins over in the bottom six is, is on a roll right now like there's a lot of goals going on in buffalo so there's a lot of interesting players there that you might want to look at but let's move on now to philadelphia where shams wanted us to talk about owen tippett i asked curious what you guys think about tippett serve me well this week but curious if he is a hold and where do you see him in the near future so this is another guy like kirby doc that's recently gotten a nice uh increase in his deployment most recently in philly's last game playing on the top line with travis konechny and kevin hayes and also on the top power play with konechny hayes scott lawton and tony d'angelo and owen tippett is uh, you know another high pedigree guy just like kirby doc were they taking the same draft uh, Okay, no, maybe not. Tippett was no, okay. taken 10th overall in 2017. Doc was third okay. overall in 2019. Ah, God. Th- that was so quick. Great job. Uh, but yeah, so Tippett uh, right now is up to only three points in six games. Uh, but you know, he has two goals in his last four games, taking more shots. Hard to argue with the deployment, top line, top power play. We'll see how long it lasts. We know that Tortorella likes to maybe shift things around. But I think I saw a quote saying he liked Tippett there for whatever that's worth. Who knows? Uh, Faraby is another guy who could easily just step in and take that opportunity. Uh, but for now, Brian, what do you think about Owen Tippett? Is he someone you're holding on to if you're giving advice to Shams? It depends on who else is out there, right? He's not. I think my answer is if there's a more appealing candidate who's going to get you a couple more games this week, I wouldn't 
hold on to Owen Tippett just for the sake of being worried that he's going to keep going off once I let him go. I mean, he very well could. This is a guy who has a, a, a solid AHL resume. Of course, he has a strong junior resume, which is how you get to the AHL, uh, the AHL and then the NHL. But Owen Tippett, in his first two years as a pro in the AHL, had uh, 58 points in 58 games. So pretty good, including 18 points in 12 games last season. And that was enough to basically become a full-time NHLer, partially because he was dealt as part of the, the Claude Giroux trade, right? Where he was sent to, uh, to Giroux to Florida. Tippett was supposed to be, he was considered the, the big piece in return. And the idea is that Tippett is a finisher who hasn't quite put his whole game together, including the finishing part. But that's his upside, that he can be a, a sharpshooter, someone who can put pucks in the net uh, if he can round out the rest of his game enough to be able to get those opportunities to do it. So far, it's promising that Tippett has taken three shots in four of his six outings, even when not on the top line. In that very first game, he only played four minutes. So I'm even going to take that out of the equation. And Tippett has three shots in four of five full outings. One thing that I am keeping an eye on, and it might just be a power play time fluctuations as ice time seems to be slowly decreasing with each game. But I, I think that really just might be a function of... Um, other like game states and whatever, but it's definitely something I will keep watching. He doesn't blow me away in his underlying numbers. I'm not seeing anything to tell me that Owen Tippett is on the cusp of stardom. He is in his age 23 season. Um, it's his second year or third year, sorry, as a basically a full time NHLer. So there's upside, there's potential here, but I don't think that this guy's a slam dunk. Like I was holding on to Nick Robertson for over a week because I thought, well, like legit talent. NHL upside, top six on Toronto, and I held on to him for a little too long, and it almost bit me, and uh, I wouldn't hold Tippett any longer than I would have wanted to hold Nick Roberts, and even though Tippett is getting better deployment, so that's where I'm at on him, and maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, Elon, you're, you're the guy who's sort of is the more aggressive, like, I think in a lot of deep leagues, Owen Tippett might be the best free agent, and is worth a look. I don't mean to poo-poo him like at all and be a total wet blanket. I think he's an interesting option on the come up that might not be on a lot of people's radars and you can jump and go get him quickly. All I'm saying is in, in a competitive league, if you need to really make sure you maximize your games played, that holding on to Owen Tippett isn't something you have to do. Yeah, no, I think I'm with you. He's interesting. And I'd like to hold him if you can for a little longer to see if he holds this spot on the roster, but it's definitely not a guarantee. So maybe you could move on if you see someone else that's more exciting. Maybe we'll get you a few more games. Here's a guy, Brian, that's kind of pulling uh, Shane Pinto here in that he's in a good spot, but just not doing anything. And I'm very curious to know how much longer you would hold on to him. I believe you have him on your cupful team. So I'm going to Minnesota to ask you about Kalen Addison, who I believe it was... Dave or Ben or someone in our uh, Cleveland Carlson Network group chat that called him Kalen Dropison because he is not giving his managers much reason to hold on. He's got no points in his last four games and like barely any shots during that time. Uh, you know, he's still manning the top power play on Minnesota with studs, with Zuccarello, with Kaprizov, with Boldy. Joel Erickson Eck is there. Uh, and yet Kalen Addison just not getting in on anything. Is, it, is this a matter of just Minnesota not scoring? I would be like, I'd be more confident in him being worth holding if like Minnesota just wasn't scoring power play goals. And then maybe once they do, he'll just like obviously get in on them. Or maybe there's sometimes defensemen who just like aren't a big part. Like even if they're the quarterback of the power play, they don't tend to get a lot of points. Like I remember like Nick Letty over in the Islanders is an example that jumps to mind. But like, yeah, where are you at with Kalen Addison at this point? Is he a hold? or do you drop him even though he's manning the top power play in Minnesota? 
I was seriously considering dropping Kalen Addison this week just because of how quiet he's been. And then uh, someone mentioned that he has a great schedule this week. He plays four games. He's a defenseman. So I'm holding him a little longer. And Elon, to your theory about power plays in the Wilds' last seven games, which is basically this whole time Addison has not been fantasy relevant. Like in his last seven Really, the last time he had a fancy-relevant outing was October 20th, all right? We're recording this on November 6th. Since then, seven games, Addison has one assist. He's got six shots in seven games. He has three hits, and he has seven blocks. This all adds up to nothing, a whole lot of nothing. Um, his best couple outing is one and a half points, and that is a standout outing over his last seven, when usually from a defenseman, you're hoping for at least three three and a quarter from a streamer level defense. So uh, this hasn't been good for Caitlin Addison. Um, The upside, if you're looking for it, is the Wild have only scored three power play goals over these last seven games. So it's not like he's not getting in on power play goals. They've had 21 opportunities. They've scored on three of them. That's, it's actually not a terrible power play conversion rate. Maybe they should have scored another, but that's that's it. So I actually don't know, Elon. I, I my my position on Addison right now is well, one he's he's doing a great job of filling the mold of that classic Minnesota power play one quarterback who gets all the time there, doesn't produce. We've seen it time and time again. We thought Addison might be the one to break that mold. He hasn't yet. I'm gonna give him the week. He's got four games to show me he deserves to stay on my roster, and my patience is wearing thin. So if anyone in my couple division is listening to this, by the way, you can try and send me an offer. I'm I'm open to trading him, um, but I, I probably will still want to wait out this week because it's hard to find. You know, power play one quarterbacks don't grow on trees, which is why I'm giving him that extra little bit of patience. Yeah, that's fair. That would be nice if he at least gave you a peripheral or two, like a, you know, a shot or two would be nice to help even when he has a no zero point game. But I guess that's the risk. There's high reward, but uh, some risk there for sure. By the way, Matt Zuccarello is quiet right now. Pointless in his last three games, barely shots at all for him. I'm just going to throw it out there. Goodbye, low candidate, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, I think that Minnesota getting shut out by Seattle was weird. Uh, I guess Martin Jones, like we talked about, <laughs> is, is on a, a hot run right now. Uh, but I think at this point, uh, it might be a good opportunity to get Matt Zuccarello because I'm not too concerned as long as he's on that top line and top power play with Kaprizov. So just a name I'm throwing out there. Brian, we still have a few more hot and cold streaks to get to, but let's take one final break here. Uh, we'll be back in just a sec. You are listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, Brian, next up on the docket, let's go to Washington, I guess. And we could talk about Evgeny Kuznetsov, who Ben R. wanted us to talk about. He asked, Evgeny Kuznetsov, shots down slightly, no goals. Obviously, that's unlucky because he's at 25 shots. Only one power play point, separated from Ovi for a lot of the season. What are we doing with this guy? Is this a snoozer potential person like we've said about Andrew Mangiapane or do we still believe that Kuznetsov can turn this season around he was such a you know a fun story last year after having a bad season two seasons ago and now it's back looking like the pre-COVID or during COVID Evgeny Kuznetsov which is not fun seven assists in 12 games so far what what do you think is he gonna is it just a matter of him converting on more of these shots that could be part of it I mean he's about a 10% converter and he's only taken, he's taken 25 shots. So yeah, give him a couple goals on that. And he's back up with nine 
nine points in 12 games, and that's Johnny Gaudreau level without any power play production. Also, look at Kuznetsov on the power play, just a single power play point in 12 games, which is a huge drop from 27 power play points in 79 games. He's way off that pace right now. So I think there's enough reason to think that Kuznetsov is going to be able to bounce back from where he's at. Um, it is disappointing that he doesn't have an even strength well, or power play goal yet, but I, I think that's also a sign to say that, yeah, there's some bad variants hitting him. It's going to come. I, I'm not seeing, you know, uh, the mention about shots. Yeah, shots are down. He's never been a big shooter. Like last year, I'll kind of call that an aberration. He kind of goes back and forth between taking two and a half and two shots per game. So as long as he's within that range, I'm not complaining too much. And if Kuznetsov getting two shots a game right now, which he is, that's perfectly fine with me. I just want to see him uh, get some success again on the power play and be able to put a puck in the net himself at five on five. And then I think he's going to be all right. He'll be back up, I'm hoping, to a 70-point pace. And there's upside for him to get back up to that point-per-game pace too if everything goes really well. But I also know it's a frustrating like he's a frustrating guy to hold when things aren't going well because of how little he fills categories. But my advice for now would be to hold on because I'm not seeing any reason to really give up on him. Yeah, well, the real frustrating thing with him also is he keeps on getting like moved away from Ovechkin and away from even the top power play at times. Yeah, like, there's been so yeah, yeah, there's been so many injuries in Washington that I I think that might have also affected what's going on with Kuznetsov. There's been so many shuffles both on the power play and at five on five, and I think they're trying to figure out like what can we do with Kuznetsov aside from put him with Ovechkin. Like, do we need do, like is could he be more useful somewhere else? And I think as part of that experiment, um, you're seeing him being bumped around the way he is, which is frustrating and hard to develop chemistry. Like I'm looking at his at his line mates this year. It's uh, I like to go to HockeyViz, by the way, HockeyViz.com. I credit them at the end of the show. But there's no consistent thread in his line mates from game to game. He's got like spotty stretches with Ovechkin, spotty stretches with Sherry, Oshie, Marcus Johansson, Anthony Mantha, like he's played with a bunch of guys for a little at a time. Um, maybe Marcus Johansson was his longest tenured line mate this season with four consecutive games, playing the majority of his minutes with him. But outside of that, it's been a big blunder, which is another reason to forgive Kuznetsov's start. This just needs to stop, though, at some point. And of course, the injuries keep coming for Washington, which means they keep having to adjust. But hopefully things will stabilize and Kuznetsov can start doing his thing a little more regularly. Yeah, speaking of injuries, uh, the latest is that Orlov is going to be out still for a bit. John Carlson uh, might be back soon. But in the meantime, Washington has a really nice schedule next week. So it's your opportunity to stream in some capitals that are very likely available. Like Ben and I talked about how Eric Gustafsson has been quarterback in the top power play. If you want to you know, take that shot, I guess you've got Connor Sherry uh, on that top line with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. You can look at like uh, Marcus Johansson on the top power play lately. Sonny Milano is back in the league. Uh, I don't know if you were aware, Brian. So he's finally gotten a game in for the caps where he didn't get a point but took three shots through four hits so for uh, a great schedule next week i think dave even played a special song on the stream scheme all about it uh you might want to look at some of these lower level washington capitals but who knows it's kind of like the arizona question like i'm not sure who's gonna hit but definitely don't drop kuznetsov before this week like brian said about killing addison at least you hold him for this good week even if you're a bit concerned because you're not going to be able to get someone who's going to get you four games on off days uh, okay next up let's go to uh colorado i wanted to bring up 
quickly Evan Rodriguez, who was on a nice little run now that he has. But well, he actually played a game on the top line. Then, like you said, Brian Arturi Lekkinen went back and took that spot back. But still, Evan Rodriguez has four points in his last three games. Uh, it's a three-game point streak. I don't know. Maybe we don't count these points against Columbus because everyone gets points against Columbus nowadays. But I'm curious to know. Now we have to wait again for Colorado to come back to North America before they play again. But when they do return, are we interested at all in Evan Rodriguez, who, by the way, has also been on the top power play with Nichushkin injured. But I think Nichushkin might be back soon, so then he might lose that spot. So I'm just curious to get a vibe check on Evan Rodriguez, who I was into going into the season. Didn't do anything for four games. I dropped him. And since then, he's basically been like a point-per-game guy. So there you go. That's my luck this season. Exactly. I, well, with me, I dropped Lycanin because I was tired of donuts and he scores, a, I think it was a power play goal, uh, like in the first game after I've dropped him. This is how it goes sometimes. And I think at Rodriguez, so long as he's on a line in the top six, like we've seen him, I, I think my line honestly could probably play every time we've talked about Evan Rodriguez simultaneously and you'll just hear one voice saying the same thing, which is that he can be a legit top six contributor. He can hold his own on the power play or on a like on the top unit or on a solid scoring line at five on five it's just a matter of when he gets those opportunities and uh lately he's gotten some opportunities so yeah i would like him as a as a deeper sort of cut in in a league would i prefer like uh, just for context i prefer kirby doc to evan rodriguez just because i think he's gonna have staying power where he is right now but rodriguez on the top power play and or on a good scoring line at five on five you want him. I, he's, he's, he's produced from that spot for the last year and a bit. So why not? Okay. By the way, we've got a goal here in the Florida game. Anton Lundell with a power play assist along with Barkov uh-oh. from Brandon Montour. So, well, oh, that's good. Well, you remember that matchup I mentioned at the top of the evening? Um, my opponent has Lundell. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. But at least it wasn't a goal. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, sorry to hear that, Brian. But yeah, pretty cool for Anton Lundell, who becomes more and more interesting in fantasy, I think. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I think you really got to go add this guy if you still can now that he's on this top power play. Uh, okay. Let's go now. What should we talk about next? Let's go to Carolina. What is there to say? Martin Nachas, just how can we not just bring him up again? Because he's having this insane season. I just want to know, like, how... How good is he? You know, like he's now up to 17 points in 12 games after, well, actually went pointless today versus Toronto, but I'm not going to let that sway me from the fact that he had like multi-point games in basically every game before that for pretty much the entire season. He's just been like insanely hot. And at this point, I don't know, it's just one of those moments. Let's say you had Jonathan Huberdeau uh, or let's say you have Natchez and you get offered Huberdeau. I'm just curious to get a sense of like how high we are in Natchez compared to some of these other like top guys in the league, because maybe that's an offer that you could make if you had either of them you might be able to get the other guy and i'm curious to know which way you would go at this point brian uh as, as fun as nhs has been and as disappointing as huberdo has been i would still take jonathan huberdo at this point over martin nhs but yeah let's get excited about martin nhs who a couple years back had a 63 point pace from the second power play unit and we said hey if he gets on the top one you can expect him to top 70 and that's where my expectation is for him this season. Now that he is on the top power play unit and seeing about another minute a night at five on five. But the reason that I'm not expecting him to go wild like the way he is all year is because uh, he's performing in a bunch of unsustainable ways at five on five and on the power play, actually. But starting with five on five, guess what? Martin Natchez has been on the ice for 11 goals scored. 
He has pointed on all 11 on the, of them. So 100% points participation when usually he's a 70% guy. So that's one way that he's been overperforming. Another way is of those 11 goals, Natchez has scored five of them on 25 shots that he's taken, which is about in line with his usual shot rates, but not in line with his usual shooting percentage. Is about twice as many as we might expect based on the shooter that we know Natchez to be from his career sample so far. So you can knock off a couple more points there. Um, and then on the power play, Natchez might also be getting, like, I actually wouldn't, I wouldn't thumb my nose at Natchez's five points in, in 12 games on the power play. It's high for just about anyone, though. Like, this would be a near 35 power play point pace, which is not something we see many people attain. Um, So I'm curious to see where this goes and how long he can keep it up, because there aren't any huge markers of unsustainability for NHS on the power play the same way they're at five on five. And if he can keep this up, then maybe there is a chance he can top 80 points this season, which does bring him into Huberto territory. But I'm still saying if, and if I'm dealing Huberto, I don't want to deal him for a guy with too many ifs about being an 80 point player. And that's why I wouldn't do the deal for Martin NHS. But if you have him, I don't think you're like constantly checking. It's like, okay, is Natchez done? Is it time to drop him yet? There's a really good chance that Natchez could keep cashing in all year long on the power play and at five on five at a 75 to 80 point clip. Yeah, like, I mean, I agree with you that he's not going to keep a 100% IPP points participation all season, but I don't know how much I'm going to buy into, like, looking at his previous season shooting percentage to decide if it's sustainable, because it's just like, he seems like a different player this year. Like, he just seems like we're comparing two completely opposite players, so I don't, I don't want to, you know make the mistake of comparing him to his former self, which was like a 42 point guy last year. Uh, he's really, he's in a great spot. He's doing really well. And yeah, just got to give him his flowers for sure. And, uh, you know, we already talked about how Frederick Anderson hasn't been like a super exciting hold so far on Carolina. Uh, definitely the people that you're most excited about having drafted on this team are Natchez number one. And then obviously Aho and Svechnikov have been great. Brent Burns also, by the way, we should mention nine points in 12 games. These are the winners so far on Carolina. Tavo Teravainen, Still cold, unfortunately. We talked about him last week and I was saying how I thought that maybe he could uh, bounce back soon. He did have two assists versus Buffalo, but it's a bunch of donuts all around that game. I, I still believe in Terry Terravinen, though. Right. But if, if you had Terravinen, you would trade him for NHS straight up. Oh, 100% yeah. at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm saying Teravina might be dropped in some leagues and maybe you can get him for free. I I would take him. All right. Where do you want to go next here? Let's go to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights here where we had a question from professional slacker. But all he said was to talk about Marcia. So I'm not I'm kind of curious to know. I am guessing that he wrote this before the last game. And I guess Marcia was on like a bit of a cold streak. He's playing on that line with Carlson and Riley Smith again. Now that uh, Stone and Eichel are playing with Stevenson and Marcia. So, yeah, before this one goal, one assist versus Montreal was pointless in three games before that he was having a solid season and now with this two-point game on saturday he's up to 10 points in 13 games so i'm not really sure what to talk about here like i feel like he's doing just like i would have expected him to he's taking a lot of shots and yeah i don't think he's like too hot or too cold seems just right to me if uh i'm going to give my quick analysis on jonathan marshall so what do you think brian yeah very goldilocks for season so far for jonathan marshall so at a you know right about a 65 point pace which is right about exactly where we'd expect him to be i think it's really positive for him that he has found his people again with uh, with the the, the so called misfits line with marshall so uh, riley smith and william carlson riley smith by the way 
cannot stop and will not stop scoring. This guy, I, I mean, I I talked about dropping Riley Smith last week because like I, he can't keep producing from second line, second power play. Sure enough, he has three goals on eight shots in his last two games. Um, I still don't think it's sustainable. If you can find someone you can to flip him to, that's great. But Marcia, so being on that misfit line, that's clicking really well. And getting back on the top power play, which is where we've seen Phil Kessel there, we've seen Riley Smith there, but now we're seeing Marcia So himself there. And I think that's really positive news for anybody who was worried about Marcia So. And he put up a point uh, from the top power play last game. So that's really friendly as well. So I, yeah, yeah I don't see anything to suggest that Marcia So is due for substantially better or worse than he's had so far. I think you can basically keep expecting him to fire on about uh, as many cylinders as he's firing now. If you put me, like his current point pace, 63 points. If you put me over under on that, I think, I, I think I'd think i lean the over. And uh, I yeah, if that's useful information to you, like you said, we didn't really have a I question, agree. but I, I, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, he's very good and he's in a good spot. I like him on that top power play with Eichel. Uh, let's end uh, in Anaheim, who are playing right now against Florida. I wanted to quickly mention Max Comtois is uh, back and playing in a good spot. I know last year a lot of people were into him and he ended up being kind of a bust, but he actually has goals in three straight games going into today. Before like before that, he was doing absolutely nothing, but he's back producing and he's on a line with Troy Terry and Ryan Strom. So uh, yeah, Max Comtois, just a name I'm going to throw out there. I feel like we're doing a lot of that in this part two of this episode. A lot of like, this guy, yeah. There he is. I don't have much more to say. But uh, if you're in a super deep league and you know how Anaheim has those good off-day schedules, next week, not so much. But after that, Anaheim does generally uh, house a place where you want to have players on your fantasy roster if they're producing, just because you could get them in on those off-days. And so Comtois is a guy maybe to keep on your watch list if you're not going to add right now. Agree. Uh, For as long as he's on that top line, I think it's the only reason to be interested in him. Comtois, I like how you mentioned he was sort of a bust to start the season. He's been a bust for like his career so far right like he's never we everyone's been like oh could this be the next big hitting power forward now he's still young right this is his four this is going to be his fourth season where he's played at least 30 games in the nhl and he's 23 years old Uh, he turns 24 in january so there's a there's opportunity for comtois to still become more than he has so far maybe he will be that big hitting uh decent scoring top six forward that everyone has been hoping he'll be for so long. Um, It's nice to see that he's getting a turn on the top line and taking advantage of it. Of course, he has like three goals on seven shots. That's not sustainable. And he's only thrown three hits in his last three games too. So it'd be nice if he could do it all at once in a sustainable way. We're not seeing that, but you know, with a nice schedule of off nights for as long as he is on a top line in Anaheim, he's worth a deeper league stream. Okay, and then one last guy, Brian. Okay, then we'll let everyone go here. But I want to go to Detroit quickly, actually. Joel wanted us to talk about Dominic Kubalik, who was on the top line with Larkin and Raven. It was looking so good. And then he got bumped off the top line. I think a lot of people were like, oh, okay, I guess kind of move on to the next thing. But he's still hot. He's got now four points in his last three games, up to now 15 points in 12 games on the season. He's on the top power play. So I think that if anyone gave up too quickly on Dominic Kubalik, we should be urging them to get back on that train ASAP, right? And he's not on a terrible line. He's so fine. He's not on the top line but now he's playing with Andrew Kopp and David Perron on the second line so uh, I don't think this is sustainable I'm sure you'll give us lots of reasons not to believe that Dominic Kubalik is like a 90 point guy like he's putting up right now but maybe anyways I think he's above replacement level and if he was dropped I would definitely jump on him but how high do you think he can actually go if he's not playing with Dylan Larkin at even strength even though he is on the power play yeah I'd prefer Kubalik to Max Comtois 
and like those Arizona guys we talked about before. What about Kirby Doc? He was somebody I, you were actually. I'd into. still prefer Kirby Doc. I'll oh, be honest. Like, and I did drop Kubalik earlier when it seemed like he was. I think he was briefly on the third line, and his he'd sort of gotten cold, and it's a points only league. And I was like, okay, I've enjoyed my time with you, Kubalik. It was just a three game stretch that he was quiet, and now he's picked it back up. I mean, it's always great to see a six shot game, which is what Kubalik put up against New York. Uh, from the second line top power play, yeah, he could do damage. He could be a 55, 60 point guy. I think he's still going to need some friendly percentages. Like so far, he's shooting 21% this season, which we saw him shoot 20% for his whole rookie year. That was the year he scored 30 goals in 68 games. He and Jonathan Taves were clicking like nobody's business. He still that year paced for just 55 points though. So I think that's a fair place to set expectations he didn't have a big power play role but we also don't know how long this power play role is going to last for him as well especially once Tyler Bertuzzi's back I say for like Kubat League is the classic guy that I will add when he's hot and drop the second he's cold like I'm never really sold on him being at least to this point of his career a full season ad but while he's hot that's great and I will mention by the way the player playing on the top line with Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond is Pew Suter who's not on the top power play or even the second power play unit but he is on that top line and he's got two goals and five shots over his last two games and might be worth it a deep league stream if Kubalik is off the board he's more in that uh, Max Comtois kind of territory Sure. Yeah. And I will say, I think like what you said about Kubali kind of reminds me of what you said about Vanacek like an hour and a half ago, where it's like, you're saying like, I've never really believed in him, but I feel like it's a pretty short career. Now he's also in a new situation where I don't know how much you want to weigh, like let the past weigh into your decision-making. Like Kubali's clearly really enjoying his time in yeah, Detroit so far. I'm not yeah. saying it, like, but I just said, right. If he's hot, I'm not letting go. I'm not going to be like, Oh, mm-hmm. this can't last. And he's at the bottom of my roster. I wouldn't do that. I think I, I would just hold on as long as I possibly can for as long as the points are coming but i already told you he went three games where he did very little and uh had bad deployment for part of that so i let him go uh maybe uh, obviously prematurely and now the train has left the station right which you sort of made uh, alluded to earlier so maybe that was a mistake We'll see, Elon. I'd love to see Dominic Kubalik put up. The thing is that he's just never put up consistent numbers above a 55-point pace. Well, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. It's like a new he's situation. He's in a new situation. He's 27 years old. There's still a chance, for sure, that he can do big things. I just also think this any, any positive deployment is limited to the length of Tyler Bertuzzi's injury. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you can sell him. Uh, either way, Brian, this has been such a fun time. The time has just flown by, but I think it's time for us to finally call it a night. So hopefully people have enjoyed both parts of this mega episode. Uh, If you enjoy what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you and get your positive feedback. We'll even take some negative feedback because we're trying to make the show as good as we can. So tweet at us at Keeping Carlson with any feedback you have. And if you have any really nice positive feedback, we'd love if you could share it with us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can review podcasts to help other people find the show. Fair fair enough. You don't want to share it with your league mates so then at least go and share it anonymously on the internet to help us out uh if you also really enjoy the show we do have a patreon where we give perks to our supporters including joining our discord community where we're just having i think a lot of fun i think it's a really great community and i think if you never considered being in a fantasy hockey community now's the time to maybe consider it because we're giving each other advice we're helping each other out having some laughs i really like the group there uh thanks so much to the existing patrons we appreciate you and you're the lifeblood of the podcast keeping us going and yeah if anyone is interested in joining us, go to keepingcarlson.com slash page. And we even have some other perks that you can read about over on our Patreon site. Uh, but with that, Brian, 
I think we're good. We've got a lot more content coming to all of you in you know very short order. You already saw Stream Scheme in your feed before these two episodes. Then you're going to have two more short shifts next week. The train keeps on rolling with content, content, content coming into your feed to help you be successful in fantasy. Brian, with that, I will stop my blabbing. Uh, let's cue the outro music. Why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters who get all the perks of being a patron, plus uh, toss in a little extra to keep the shows coming. Thank you, Kevin, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, and of course, Patty for your super patronage. Thank you to Kevin Hebert, our couple coordinator, and our team of incredible co-commissions. If you want to find out more, like we have a wait list that's open and you can join our disc, like you get to an invite to our Discord server while you're waiting to take over a team. Uh, KKUPFL.com for more info. Thank you, Elon and Sham Spendamore for keeping the amazing stream of fancy news rolling over at GameDayTweets.com. Just essential stuff when I don't have time to keep up during the workday with what's going on and I have like 30 seconds or just at the end of my day, I'll pop open. I go straight to GameDayTweets.com and find out all the relevant stuff that I've missed and hopefully not missed out on reacting to. Uh, you can follow Ben and Lewis at their Short Shifts account at Short Shifts KK on Twitter. You can follow Dave at NHL Stream Scheme. Logo art by BrandonWeave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dabra Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dabra Prospects, Natural Stat Trek, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Vibs, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo! Great job as always, Brian. So much fun. Looking forward to doing this all again with you next week after listening to a couple Short Shifts episodes in between. Until then, please keep doing what you can to make sure that fantasy hockey really is for everyone. And really quickly, I'll just mention that it looks like this Panthers goal that I talked about before has changed. And Lundell does no longer have an assist. And, and Montour no longer has scored the goal. It was Verhaggy uh. for Montour and Barkov, Brian. So look at that. You, you did it. You're, you're now... You're in good shape. And I've actually since heard from Corey, taking it back to the top of the show, Elon, that he pondered adding, he added Max Comtois tonight uh, as a late streamer. He could have added Eric Schalgren, who stopped 28 of 29 for the win against Carolina and did the thing that we basically said is pretty hard to do for him and in Toronto. So uh, that would have brought him within six fantasy points of me. Oh, so I'm glad he did it. That's a shame. <laughs>